In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode 10. Joining me today is my amazing co-host, Patrick Pister. How are you doing, Patrick? Yeah, very well, Mark. And we have Willie Black Lion with us from Check Six. How are you doing, Willie? <laughs> I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Doing awesome. So um, let's talk a little bit about Check Six, Willie. Maybe if people don't know who y'all are, what does Check Six do? To make a long story uh, short, we are pretty much the watchdogs over all the oil rigs. Uh, we make sure that uh, it's just not enough to just say, okay, you're doing safety. We're here to build a culture around that because the thing about it is is that a lot of people are experienced, they are veterans. However, as you well know, you get complacent as veterans. Right. A big percentage of our safety mishaps come from veterans because they've done it 100,000 times. Right. Okay. We are making sure that, yes, we're veterans. However, we have to set the example. Okay, and also in setting the example, we have to build that culture and we have to be the cornerstone of that culture. So how do you do that? We spoke a little bit about my experience with Check 6 working in the Gulf of Mexico and Australia. Mm -hmm. The after action reviews, can you go into a little bit about what those are, why you do them, and how they improve the operations with the guys you work with? Well, you have many companies out there that stress safety. What sets Check 6 apart? is that we have a different type of thinking. 98% of us are military. Now, in the military world, if you screw up, you die. It's as simple as that, okay? So with that being said, and you feel like you've really, really failed not only yourself, but you failed that family, you failed the country. So we take that same concept, if you will, and you apply it uh, with the type of culture that is needed in order to be successful on, on the oil rig or anywhere that you do. So Yeah, we don't have people shooting at us, but it's still a very hazardous, high-risk environment. Absolutely. And uh, I tell you, if you the most dangerous um, place to be on besides an oil rig is an aircraft carrier. I tell you, um, you, you haven't seen any danger. You've been on an aircraft carrier. It's can it, at any drop of a pin, any kind of a fod, which is a foreign object damage or anything like that, it ruins lives. So you have to really, really be an expert. You have to be really, really diligent at your skill set. So how do you how do you transfer all that military experience in a high risk environment to the offshore industry, which is also high risk, but it's not military. It, there are a lot of military in the oil field, but it's a different environment, so how do you transfer what you know, what you need to get done to okay. the offshore worker? Very, that, that's a good question. And this is, this is it's a very simple thing. A lot of people try to do a whole bunch of complex stuff. We believe in round peg, round hole. It's very, very simple. Okay. First things we do is we master the skill set. Whatever you are trained to do, 
you master that skill set. You have a pride of mastering that skill set. The second thing you do is know that you have to be the go-to person for that skill set. In other words, own it. You have to own it. And if you don't own it, then you don't know the skill set. So those two things are self-checks. The third thing we do, we know where you fit inside the big scheme of things in, in, in the master plan. And the one thing that you will get from Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, we stand the doggone post. There's two things you can't put on a resume, gentlemen. Two things you can't put on a resume. That's max effort and give a crap, okay? And let me break that down. When I say max effort, that means you're going to get 100% from us. Now, give a crap means, we're, hey, we're going to make mistakes, right? But you've got to give us the time to give a crap to fix it. And we're going to stay there until it's fixed. So the two things that you can't put on a resume are the one things that saves lives. It's the one thing that makes the difference between just a checklist and building a culture. Yeah, and let me back a little bit, uh, back up a little bit in case our audience doesn't know who Willie is. So, Willie, you're actually the HSE manager at Check Six. Yes, sir. Yeah, and you have a long background. You did, uh, you're a brother, brother Marine. Yes, 26 years. 26, 26 years. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so you bring all that rigor and all that um, um, performance to Check Six in helping their clients with health, safety, and environmental. Uh, training and leadership skills. Absolutely. Now, the thing I, I Mark, I tell you, uh, I, I, if you, if you know, I had a blog out there, and this is where people get the misconception. People look at uh, the movies, uh, Full Metal Jacket, Rambo. You know, we are these guys that's gonna, you know, professionalism isn't getting your face, okay? Like the drill instructor. Professionalism, give me twenty push-ups, because I said, okay, it is not that at all. And that's the misconception that people have when they talk about Check 6, and then they look at our makeup that we are 98% military. The forward thinking and the, and the strategic part of our culture is that we're not going to lose. Uh, when 911 happened and I was there over in Afghanistan, my brother who's retired Navy over there in Iraq, not on my post, not on my watch, not another American is going to die. It's the same thing that we carry out on an oil rig. That's the same thing we carry out in any kind of high-sensitive or high-risk area. It's, it's just part of our nature to do that. So when you hire us or when you talk about Check 6, don't think about we're just a whole bunch of uh, commandos and rambos and drill instructors that's going to get out there and tell you what to do and all that kind of good stuff. No. We're not going to only tell you what to do. We're going to be in the fight with you, and we're going to fix it with you. That's the big difference between anybody else and when you're dealing with check six. Know that the mindset, okay, is not what you see on TV. It's not what you see in the movies. Yes, we know about it. Yes, we've been through that, boot camp, things of that nature. We're not here to give you boot camp. We're here to save lives. Yeah, and one of the things, having worked with check six, y'all really slow things down. The oil field is very, you know, hurry up offense. Let's get to the next job. Let's drop things and, and keep going. But I talked about it a little bit before on this podcast, the after action reviews that y'all do, it really slowed the pace down. So you couldn't just drop what you're doing, go to the next job. You had to make sure your job was done, tools are put away, and you've made improvements on that job. Sure. And this is what we're talking about, that round peg, round hole. The round peg, round hole is almost synonymous with slowing things down. Because I tell you, you say slow and steady wins the race. Well, 
accuracy also go along with that, you know, when you slow things down. We realize that, okay, you have a sense of urgency to do things, okay? It's nothing wrong with the deadline. However, when you incorporate a culture with that deadline, then you're going to get things done right the first time, every time. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell our audience right now, if you think you have a culture of continuous improvement, but you're not doing after-action reviews after every job and, and making things better, whether that's with check six or just on your own, then you don't have a true culture of continuous improvement because you're not making every job better every time you do it. And that's really what I liked about working with check six, again, both here in the Gulf of Mexico and overseas. Mm -hmm. See, uh, and it's, 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 it's great that you mentioned that because a lot of people, you have to know the differences between uh, certain verbiage. When you use certain verbiage, you say, okay, we're the boss of uh, the safety or we're the boss. It's the difference between being a boss and a leader. And that's what I, we, I always have it, uh, <laughs> a hard uh, copy. Because I'm a visual guy, as you, as you saw in my corner. You know, I don't keep everything on the computer because once you unplug that computer, guess what? You're ineffective. That's the same thing we do in the, in the Marine Corps. Okay, I can't speak for the Army. I can <laughs> speak for that. But I know that we also, along with the technology that we have, I also have it in a binder. We also have it on hard copy so we can, at the moment's notice, okay, we can look up that information and we can be steered in the right direction, you know? So the, the difference between a boss and a leader, a boss drives employees. A leader coaches employees. A boss depends on authority. A leader depends on goodwill. A boss inspires fear. A leader generates enthusiasm. It's a difference. The boss says I. A leader says we. A boss places blame for the breakdown. A leader fixes the breakdown, okay? A boss uses people, a leader develops the people. A leader, uh, a boss knows how it's done, but a leader shows how it's done. A boss takes credit, the leader gives credit, and the boss commands, but the leader asks. When you ask the questions, that's the only way you can get the true results. And that's from the smaller person all the way up to the bigger person. Because the hamsters in their flywheel, those are the ones that's out there really, really out there with the highest risk. And those are the ones that you really, really have to pay attention to. Yeah, and I, I know from experience that Check 6 is a leader in HSE in the oil and gas industry. I mean, globally, y'all have done some really good, great work for a lot of big companies. Um, you've saved a lot of lives. You've you know prevented a lot of incidents from happening. And all that goes back to the culture. Other than the military background, mm -hmm. which most of Check 6 um, employees have, what else in Check 6 culture you know, helps y'all drive those improvements in safety? That's a good question, Mark. Uh, the first thing that we do, we again, here we go back to uh, the circle of leadership and team performance, okay? When you have the leadership and the team performance and you incorporate that, once you have the leadership and team performance, you incorporate that with the training and competency, okay? And you have to be held accountable for all of these entities. And then you, then, only after the team performance and leadership, the training and the competency, only then you can put and incorporate procedural difference and compliance. The procedural discipline is the culture that you set and holding yourself accountable to that, that creates the culture and that's when you're check six ready. 
Yeah, and, and that's always the hardest thing. There's a bunch of safety training companies out there, sure. but it's just training. Whereas y'all actually affect culture, yes. which is the harder thing to affect, but mm -hmm. also makes the biggest improvement. As you see in our facilities, I, I gave y'all the nickel tour around here. We have ourselves a set, very stiff self-check. You know, holding yourself accountable. It starts with, like Michael Jackson say, the man in the mirror. Right. It, that is a true statement. Uh, there's no way that I can throw a, a stone and I live in a glass house myself, you know. And so when you have that check six ready, before you go out there with that brand of check six, know that we have already tested ourselves in leadership. We've already tested ourselves in team performance, and we're proven players at that. And the training and competency starts right here in the training facility in, in Houston. We have our coaches all over the world come here. And it's just like, uh, I have to say it again, just like the Marines. There's only two places you can train Marines. That's in San Diego and that's in Paris Island. Okay, I, you know, you can train uh, all the others in this pl different places, but on, there's only two places you can make Marines, okay? There's only one place or a couple of places that you can be check six ready, and that's here, and one is uh, one of our facilities up there in Virginia, uh, uh, out there in Little Creek, and those guys, I tell you, they really, really put you through the test, and you're not check six ready until they say you're check six ready. And that stuff starts with the leadership, which we already bring to the table, the leadership. They already know that, okay? The team performance, proven players at that, because like most of us have already retired, we're proven players. And so therefore, we instill the training and competency. And once we do that, then we're ready to set the procedural discipline and the compliance to make sure everyone is held accountable. That's check six ready. Yeah. And so... Willie, when you look at all the customers, all the oil and gas customers that y'all have worked with, is there something in common with the, the companies that get it right and something in common with the companies that don't get it right? You know, I, I can't speak. And this is another thing about Check 6. Yes, you can gauge yourself from uh, other companies, what other companies do, what other companies don't do, right? However... We focus ourselves, we already know that we are, 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 we've already set apart because we've already handpicked the type of cloth. We're all cut from the same cloth, okay? As you see these uh, pictures around here, you see the flight deck, you see the, 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 you know, when you have that kind of danger, when you have put your behinds on the line, okay, there's no other way when you put your behinds on the line and you're a proven player at that, you know? We don't have to necessarily, what you want to say, and it's not an arrogant thing, it's a pride thing, that we don't necessarily have to worry about, okay, what other folks are doing. We know what we're going to do. We have The thing about it is for us to get our brand out there and for people to not get the misconception that we're not these commandos and, and, and DIs, you know, d drill instructors and get in your face and do 20 push-ups and, you know, we were in charge of, uh, you know, this battalion or we were in charge of this air, air group. We're not like that. However, now, we're proven players and we're still alive and we all have all our falconies, fingers and toes and we, have, <laughs> we bring that experience and we're battle-tested. That's what sets us apart from everyone else. Yeah, so, so my question really was, when you look at your clients, you look at the oil and gas companies you've oh, worked with, yes. 
you know, some of them do much better than others as far as uh, HS and E. The ones that do better, do they, do they have something in common? I would think so. I think that uh, the, the, the great thing that uh, companies do since I've been in the oil and gas industry is that they share certain things. Everyone wants to be safe, and I honestly believe everyone wants to save lives. Of course. Yes. You know, everybody wants that. No matter what, you know, you might want to say, okay, our company's better than your company because X, Y, Z. But the common goal is to everybody to be productive and everybody to be alive and well and take care of their families. That's the American way. That's yeah. just... And it's the way the industry is, right? There we, you go. We want our people to go home safe at night. Yes. It, it's, it may be a metric. We may be measuring it, but it's mm -hmm. in our hearts. We believe in it 100%. There you go. And um, I'm going to have to play devil's advocate on that same question. Sure. So in this downturn, what are the challenges that you as Check6 have faced with the clients that are still using you or the ones that have dropped you or the ones that aren't engaged as much? What challenges do you see getting the Check6 methodologies transferred to the employees that you're trying to train, your clients' employees? You know what? I tell you, uh, I think that uh, uh, we, ha we have someone here uh, that, is, that, that has joined us that can definitely get you uh, in better in, in, in depth of that question. So, Willie, like you said, we have a guest that joined us. Hey, Jim. Hey. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. So, Jim, explain your role at Check 6. Uh, I would say I'm uh, head cheerleader, chief, chief <laughs> revenue officer uh, for the company here. Uh, I was brought in uh, as we've uh, really morphed into the next level of uh, real change management consulting for industry in general. Yeah. So you got a lot of lot of ducks in, in your pond, don't you? Well, I got to tell you, this is a, a great story to tell when you have something that's truly different than than uh, what's out there, and it and it actually engages with business and is much more than um, you know selling widgets this is about how companies can truly transform themselves and how they approach business to get truly sustained and lasting results um, you know I I've been around the block enough to know that you know programs come programs go leadership you know turns around a couple of quarters in arrears and looks back and says well, I, that was on a PowerPoint I thought that was a great program what's why isn't it working why don't we have the safety that you know we were expecting um, and, and that often comes back to leadership, and, and many things need to um, be impacted in order to get the real change that uh, you're investing in as a company. Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to have uh, military as a client, and I would you know, go out onto an aircraft carrier and very interested in seeing how, you know, the Navy, as an example, would leverage 240 years of leadership experience, and they kind of had it figured out pretty well, and I would say all branches do, but how did they get that millennial, that kid, running around on a deck of an aircraft carrier, as an example, to do it right every single time? And if you look from the captain of the ship on down, everybody's focused on that 19-year-old kid. And, and if that kid is happy, um, preparedness, readiness, reenlistment, you know, these things all take care of themselves, safety, certainly. Um, you know, and if you ask that kid on the front line what their job is, they have a job. But ultimately, what they'll tell you is their job is to ensure mission success. They are fully aligned with the leadership. And, and so it's much more than just having checklists and just being focused on safety. We've, we absolutely can commit to having safety as a byproduct. If you go for perfect execution, why wouldn't you? And if you do things right every time the right way, as part of your culture, you can have safety as a byproduct. 
Uh, you had asked a question earlier, you know, what separates some companies from others in this industry, especially in the downturn? Uh, and, and I would say, you know, you, you often look at where the employee falls on a web page. HR is always off there to the right and down the scale. Right. And if you look at, uh, you know, where, you know, board of directors focus on employees, it's always kind of the last thing on the agenda, or often is. Uh, it's where the budgets get cut first. Certainly HSEs get cut. These are discretionary kind of spends. Where we see clients um, engaging today at a much deeper level, and we're expanding with is because they understand that if you can change a culture you can impact operational effectiveness and if you do those things and have safety always as a key performance indicator as a byproduct you're going to achieve much greater results and when we leave the deck you're going to continue to see those results. You're not going to see a degradation of uh, what you just paid to have done. And you're going to have an absolute return on investment that we can measure to in order to drive certain key uh, you know, leadership desires, right? What are the key things you need to drive as a business? You're trying to grow your revenue, trying to decrease your costs. What are those goals? What do you want to get to? And everything we do is aligned with those and having folks do things the correct way, and so that behaviors become habits and become ingrained in a culture. So where do you focus on that 18, 19-year-old kid who's a, a roustabout or utility hand? Is your focus on rig management and you want it to trickle down to him, or do you focus on that kid as check six? You have to. You yeah. have to focus on the whole thing. We're not, you know, I, I kind of joke that uh, we're, we're leadership whisperers, right? <laughs> so we, we will be whispering in the ear of leadership to make sure that you have alignment, that your communica communication strategy um, is working. Uh, but you can't do it without having folks, and that's why our guys are coaches, bias being consultants. They are consultants, but they are actually on the front lines coaching with the guys. You have to have buy-in at that front line level. You know, today's military is all volunteer. These folks, you know, weren't forced to be there, as you heard, Willie say earlier, it, it's not drop and give me 20. It's how do you get that person to buy into the overall leadership objective and be aligned with that? Feel like they're part of solving the problem by just being the cog at the end of the of the procedure. And this is another program coming out this quarter. Just keep your head down. We'll go back to doing things the way we've always done them in the past, which is why you see, you know, 70%, any study will say somewhere 70, even north to 90% of of change management programs fail to meet the objectives long-term. It's because people backslide to doing things the way they've always used to do them in the past. And we've certainly seen that in the upstream oil and gas business. They've, they, they've, we've seen this in cycles. And as you have you know, new crews coming together, people wanting to do things the way they've always done it. You know, just give me five more seconds, I'll get it done. You know, and take, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's a way that we want to have it done. And by the way, that way we want to have it done, we being the company, the customer, the way we want it done is aligned to driving key objectives we have as a company. We need to have decreased cycle times, decreased cost, improved efficiency, uh, improved productivity, uh, so that we're making sure everything's lined up. Any checklist that um, we're implementing on behalf of one of those key KPIs in order to drive those, um, if it's done correctly, with all of the decades of, of leadership experience that our guys have that you can't create by having an MBA and just walked out of a you know Harvard MBA you have to have actual decades of experience and that's what our coaches 
that's what they represent that brand they've been out there doing that um, real time in real life situations and kind of think of it this way and going back to the the vernacular of the aircraft carrier even though I know Willie is when we've used an aircraft carrier as a mode of transportation. That, that's actually all it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, know, you think about it, it's a very dangerous piece of real estate. Uh, it's powered by a nuclear reactor. Uh, lots of uh, millennials running around. They transfer out entirely every 18 months, six months at a time. Yet you have to operate not at a Six Sigma environment. Six Sigma, by definition, is 3.4 failures per million. That it would be abject failure in that environment. And our clients that are investing with us and, 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 and growing with us understand that, that it is okay to say, we're going to go for perfect. So you start talking nine sigma and beyond. That's how the airline industry operates. If we had 3.4 planes fall out of the sky for every million that flew, for every million flights, none of us would get on an airplane. Absolutely not. So how do you operate in that environment? It, you have to address leadership. You have to address frontline culture and behaviors, and you have to use as a tool the checklist for the constant verification of, of correct practices being done, for, for uh, correct workflows, for data capture, for knowledge transfer. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to that, but that is simply a tool. And, and like any piece of software, I can put a, a tool out there, but if you're not using it correctly and leadership in the line with it and using that data, we've all seen... It seems like there's good data being collected, but nobody's using this. There's no value to it. Right. right? So. Yeah. so so we're going to get back to that. All right, Patrick, so what's our Red Wing safety tip of the week? Our Red Wing safety tip of the week, this is going to be for you onshore guys. A lot of the operators are requiring a walk around your vehicle before you get in and start it up. This is going to prevent you from backing over something you didn't know was there. You know, just give a, a visual inspection of your vehicle. You do it with your with your crane or with your other equipment. So when you're getting in your vehicle to start up and head on, whether you're going home or going out to the job site, just do it once around on the vehicle. See if there's anything there that shouldn't be, if there's any maintenance that needs to be done to your, your vehicle, flat tire, whatever. Just do it once around and make sure everything's good before you go. That's an awesome tip. So Jim, back to you. It's, um, you know, it's fascinating because culture is the hardest thing to affect. Um, and if you're going to change culture at all, you have to have buy-in from senior leadership. Um, how does Check 6 engage with senior leadership in oil and gas so that they see the benefit of you actually helping them change the culture? It's probably best to give a story maybe to answer that and then lead into the, the answer in more depth. Uh, we've actually walked away from well-meaning and ready-to-pay customers who said, I want some of that Check 6 culture. We said, okay, in order to do what? Well, I don't know. I just need that culture. And if you can't answer that, we're going to help you answer. That's really the bottom line. But um, as leadership, what are what your board of directors want you to do? What are your objectives as an organization, as a business unit? And from that, we will start the conversation of how to change the culture because everything we're trying to change and helping you, Mr. Customer, change in your culture has to be in order to drive one of your key KPIs. Otherwise, why would we be spending time on it? So once you've established that, then build out the proper checklist in order to obtain that, the right procedures, and engage the front line to do it. But at the end of it, you have to be able to metric back to you brought us in to change your culture in order to hit these objectives, to receive a, uh, to see a return on, on investment. 
Uh, oh, and as a byproduct, you're seeing absolute safety. You're having a decrease in, in MPT as a result, uh, lost time. Uh, you know, we're even being brought in by companies who are uh, looking to bring down, you know, they're not even in this particular industry. They're just, you know, their insurance company has them at risk. They're having too many workers' comp issues and so forth. And it's not about just, hey, we're going to help you be situationally aware and be safer while we're out there because that will degrade over time. It's how do we implement a process, and, and ultimately, you have to own it as a leader, as a client of ours, as a leader. You can't outsource it to us. You can outsource the help, and we can whisper in your ear and help you drive to it, but when we walk out the door, we want you to be left with a sense of you're actually driving this, and it's part of your culture, too. It's not just the front line. It's got to be part of what you're, you're looking to do as well. And we have clients that uh, actually have us out coaching leadership with their senior leaders around the world because um, yeah, it, it's not – if you look at the military, when you have a problem, it's the leadership who usually has uh, to answer. It, it falls on it's – it's a failure of leadership, right? Uh, it's, it's because the folks weren't properly trained or because you weren't properly inspecting or because you weren't properly – leading them and, and that's something you don't often see enough in business that they they accept that accountability and that's what we work with with leadership that you have to be ultimately accountable for this as well you can't be a powerpoint and you go off and do the rest of the needs of the business and come back in two months and wonder why it's not happening so their engagement <coughs> is probably the number one thing we look for yeah absolutely great great stuff uh we do need to take a break to have mark let us know who is the bag winner this week for red wings offshore bag this week's winner is Frank Morgan. He's a geologist with Devon Energy. Congratulations, Frank. You have won a really, really cool offshore bag. So we were discussing about uh, leadership and, and performance improvement. Um, you actually have a white paper on performance excellence in the oil and gas industry. Do you mind giving us a, a little bit about that? And I think you wanted to link that into the show notes as a, as a freebie for our, our listeners today. Absolutely. Uh, so we have a number of case studies, white papers in, in general, but specific to upstream oil and gas. Uh, we have uh, some interesting, I think, and very compelling studies on performance excellence. And we view leadership as part and parcel with performance excellence. It's not just about, you know, plan, brief, execute, uh, debrief, and creating that cycle. Uh, but it, it's how you encompass the whole picture and engage um, the front lines as part of that. So um, we'll cue you into a, a white paper uh, case study, actually, on performance excellence and, and how that can be applied by leadership when you really think and you start believing that you can get to perfect execution, uh, we're the guys that can help get you to that. Excellent. And, and it put you on the spot a little bit. What, how, do you, how would you define performance excellence with the clients that you're working with? Uh, when they start viewing safety as a byproduct, and I ask you in this way, uh, if you're talking to the CEO of any major airline in the United States, and if I but ask them the question, I have asked them these questions, are you able to leave your cell phone away at night and be able to enjoy time with family? And the answer is yes. And if you ask them why, because the culture at an airline is everybody's job is what? It's not on-time performance. Everybody's job is prevent error. 
everybody in the company top to bottom. And there's a culture there that everybody is pulling on those oars and they have alignment from top to bottom. That's performance excellence. It's culture aligned with objectives and it's lived every day. Um, anybody can stop a flight on, a, on an aircraft carrier. Anybody actually does stop operations. They can stop operations. It's part of the culture. That 19-year-old kid can throw his arms up and stop everything. And if he's wrong, it's a leadership problem. He wasn't properly coached, trained. Um, it's often said on offshore platforms, yeah, everybody understands they can, they can do that. But the reality is these kids are afraid to do that because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to make a mistake. And uh, so it's, it's, it's cultural, back to that, that everybody's bought in and that leadership has full accountability <coughs> and, and responsibility with the front line for doing that. Yeah, no, I've personally, personally never seen anybody run off or stop on the job, but I do, I see them afraid of actually being the person to pull the trigger and say this. And it's not always as clear as something's obviously wrong. It's that gut feeling something doesn't look right, so I don't know if I should speak up. It's the Swiss cheese of any problem. You, you, you get one leak on the first level, right? And then you get another leak, and they just start lining up, and it's when you get a, a, a plurality of potential problems that can cause a major it's problem. It's uncanny how often those holes end up lining up. It does. Yeah, yeah so uh, uh, Jim and Willie, man, I really appreciate y'all being on the show this week. Um, if somebody wanted to find out more about Check Sticks, where should they go? Uh, www. Uh, you don't need to show me the card. I got it <laughs> on the top of my head. www.checksixwrittenout. Okay. Dot com. And we'll put a link in the show notes Absolutely. so people don't have to be writing notes. So if um, if you've listened this long, um, join our LinkedIn group. It's uh, the LinkedIn group is called uh, Oil and Gas Global Network. It's a sister companion to the show. Uh, we're over fifteen hundred members. Um, it's a totally moderated group. Every person that joins, every comment is moderated by a real person. This means there's no spam. Um, your peers are there. I've seen salespeople share contacts. I've seen uh, people help uh, other people understand parts of the industry. And it's also where Patrick and I were announced any new stuff we're doing first um, on the LinkedIn group. So join the LinkedIn group. Then, can you please, 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 we're a new show. We're trying to cap, climb to the top of iTunes. Can you please leave us a review? It takes all of two minutes. Go on iTunes, leave us a review, and, and help us with our uh, search engine rankings. And then finally, can you please share the show? You know, do me a favor. Do that email all to your company and put a link to our show there so everybody in the company. people in trouble, Mark. That's, uh, don't do that, folks. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, any of your friends, your coworkers, your peers, anybody that has an interest in the health, safety, environment in the oil and gas industry, share the show with them. Um, we, we're trying to grow our audience, and, we, and we're trying to make sure we provide real solid, great value. Okay, so um, with all that said, Patrick, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it, Mark. All right, so folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. So, Willie, Jim, what the heck is going on with the call sign? What, what is that all about? <laughs> well, everyone knows the classic movie Top Gun. Maverick, Goose, Iceman, that's where it comes from, from the aviation, the Top Gun 
guys, it really goes to your character. It, it, you know, they they look at you. Uh, I had a, a commander actually called Stinky. <laughs> His call sign was, was Stinky because when he was uh, a lieutenant, uh, they never let him, uh, for some reason, it was a, I guess it was a rookie thing, they never let him uh, wash his uh, flight suit <laughs> or whatever, and, they had, and it stuck with him stinky, you know.